Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted, you should listen to all of the episodes as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.collegeadmissionstalk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce you today, Brandy Samaru, who's the Senior Assistant Director of Admissions at Indiana University. Brandy, thank you so much for being here today. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm wonderful. Well, we are pleased to have you and can't wait to hear about all the great things that Indiana has to offer. So let's get right to it, Brandy. Why don't we start by asking you to tell us about yourself? How long have you been in admissions and how did you end up in this position? Absolutely. Thank you again for having me. This is such a great opportunity. But as mentioned, my name is Brandy Samaru. I'm a Senior Assistant Director of Admissions for Indiana University. I'm the Northeast Regional Representative, so I do live out here on the East Coast, which is fantastic to be out here with all of you. Um, I'm a small town girl. I'm originally from (laughs) Southern Indiana, um, so New York was a big change for me. Um, How did I end up in this position? Well, I'm not sure anyone starts out knowing that this is where they're going to end up. I mean, (laughs) take, for example, my five-year-old son, his top right now are he wants to be a paleontologist or a firefighter so (laughs) i don't think when you're five you start out thinking you're going to be an admissions counselor um you just kind of fall into it i am an alumna of iu so it certainly did help with that love that i have for our institution arriving on campus my first day as a freshman was a bit overwhelming for me Um, after all our freshman class has more individuals than the entire county I grew up in. So it was a big (laughs) adjustment for me to come to Indiana. I was shy, I was introverted, um, but I knew I would need support to make my education happen. And the Office of Admissions was the first area of support for me. Um, Many in my position, when they say they work at the Office of Admissions, they were ambassadors, they were tour guides. Not so much for me. That was a little bit too much for um, the shy girl from the middle of nowhere, Indiana to handle. (laughs) So I started out in our file room, you know, back in the day when we actually had paper files. (laughs) That's where I started out alphabetizing. And that was my comfort zone. I found my family within the Office of Admissions. And I gradually worked my way up to a full-time position in our processing team. And then eventually to assistant director and then senior assistant director for the um, Northeast. Our office um, decided that it was time to grow and I 
perfect place in my life to just hit the road, pack up my bags and move to Sunnyside, Queens. Um, <laughs> never been to New York before, um, didn't have any connections out here. Uh, so it was a big adjustment for me. And I quickly realized I'm not a city girl. So after a year in Sunnyside, Queens, um, I did again pack up my bags and I moved to northern New Jersey, where I currently reside with my husband and my two children. So I've been with IU professionally for almost 16 years now and wow. on the East Coast for about 10. Well, that's terrific. And thank you so much for that comprehensive introduction. So Brandy, I know all about the traditions with the basketball team the amazing programs, particularly in business, education, music, and so much more. So what is it about Indiana University that makes it so appealing for so many students to want to apply and ultimately attend? Well, this is absolutely a tough question for me whenever, um, you, whenever I got the questions in advance. Um, it's always a tough question for me. I mean, I'm an alum, I'm an employee, um, so I am absolutely biased about Indiana University and there's so many great <laughs> things that I love about it. So I've tried to just pick out a few little snippets um, about what makes IU amazing. But we are that large Big Ten Division One school that can offer a lot of variety. Um, if you, a student is still discovering what they want out of college, we might be the right place for you. We are divided into 12 different schools. And within those 12 different schools, we have over 200 majors for students to choose from. So there's a lot of flexibility. Students can double major, they can triple major, they can have several minors and outside areas of concentration. That was one of the selling points for me was that flexibility that we offer students. We really want students to be able to create their own career paths on our campus. So we give students opportunities to do that. I also appreciate that while we're that large institution of about 35,000 undergraduate students, we try to make it so much smaller than that. Uh, we, our average class size is about 33. Student to faculty ratio is 18 to one and fewer than 6% of our classes have 100 or more students in them. So again, my personal experience coming from that small town, I appreciated the small class sizes for sure. Get some more of that one-on-one -on -one attention, that small type of community feel when you come to IU, you're not becoming a member of just a large institution. You're becoming a member of a, of a community. We really do want our students to succeed, and we're going to give them the support to do that. A few key highlights that I like to share um, are we really strive to provide students with a lot of hands-on learning experience. We have over 200 research centers and institutes on our campus. So if students are interested in doing research, they can start that from day one. Uh, we have 13 career development centers on our campus that bring more than 1,500 recruiters to campus each semester to recruit our students for internships and jobs. So that real-world hands-on experience is very key on our campus. We have some specialized programs, such as our Washington Leadership Program through our O'Neill School of Public and Environmental Affairs, which allows students to take classes, live, and work in Washington, D.C. for a semester. We also have a specialized program for our students that are interested in film where they can essentially do the same thing, but live in LA for a semester. Some, some great specialized programs for our students. We have more than 70 different languages where that wow. is the most of any public <laughs> institution in the country. So if you're interested in languages, you're gonna have a lot of great opportunities there, uh, including study abroad. Currently ranked number five in the nation for the most students that study abroad each year. So there's so many great opportunities as far as study abroad are concerned. 
And then just quickly, just a few things outside of the classroom that really draw our students in as well. Um, we do have a lot of great opportunities and our students are very passionate and engaged, not only on campus, but in the Bloomington community. Um, we have over 750 student clubs and organizations for our students to join. So there's literally something for everyone. Uh, 24 varsity sports, more than 55 club and intramural sports, as well as the opportunity to participate in more than 1,500 artistic and culture performances each year. Wow. And many of these are hosted by our amazing Jacobs School of Music. So I like to say we have the best of both worlds. You get that rah-rah school spirit with all of those college athletics. And on the flip side of that, you get that very much art and culture vibe that you might find in some of these larger metropolitan areas. I want to welcome back Sean Patel, who is the founder and CEO of Prep Expert. He's a Shark Tank entrepreneur making a deal with Mark Cuban back in 2016. Sean, welcome back. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back, John. So I just wanted to share with all your listeners real quick that we have an amazing partnership with the College Admissions Process Podcast, and we have a really special offer for all of your listeners. So for any listener who wants to enroll their student into one of our prep expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one-on-one -on -one tutoring programs, you can get 30% off just for being a listener of the College Admissions Process Podcast. All you need to do is put in the promo code COLLEGETALK, one word, just college talk, and that'll give you 30% off all prep expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one-on-one -on -one tutoring packages, make sure you use the link in the show notes of the College Admissions Process Podcast. Thank you, Sean. We really appreciate it. To our listeners, as an affiliate partner with Prep Expert, I want to be transparent with you that for every purchase made, the College Admissions Process Podcast will receive a small commission from Prep Expert. But rest assured that we only promote programs that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. For more information, please see the Prep Expert affiliate partnership link in the show notes. And now let's get back to the show. Well, that's a terrific overview. Thank you so much, Brandy. And I know a lot of students, both current and past, of course, that have graduated Indiana and nothing but accolades in terms of their overall experience. And one of the things that they talk about is the town of Bloomington, and they describe it as the quintessential college town. So what can you tell us about Bloomington, Indiana? Bloomington holds a special place in my heart, for sure. Um, Bloomington absolutely is that quintessential college town. So if you're thinking of, it, of, a, of the ideal college experience in town, that is Bloomington, Indiana. I think that it really helps that our campus sits in the heart of Bloomington. So the moment you step foot off campus, you are in downtown Bloomington. If our students are not on campus, that's where you're going to find them. Bloomington is very much a, a small town, but again, that true college town. So very active, very vibrant. Being from Indiana, I feel like it's okay for me to say this. I think that Bloomington truly exists because of IU. So it really does cater <laughs> to our students. There are so many restaurants. There are so many shops, so many cafes, so many wonderful places to hang out. 
Bloomington is also very much an art and music type of town. So lots of art festivals, music festivals, concerts, shows, you name it, you're gonna find it in Bloomington. You're not gonna miss out on anything. I also think that it really caters to our students that might enjoy the outdoors as well. We are surrounded by three state parks and three lakes. Bloomington is very much a walking community, so there's no need for a car. Um, it is just all around a great environment for our students. You truly are, when you come to IU, not becoming just a member of the, that IU community, but you're becoming a member of the Bloomington community. Um, and our students understand that, they appreciate that, and they're working and they're volunteering in the Bloomington community as well. Well, it sounds like there's so many opportunities for the students, not only on the campus, but of course off campus in the beautiful town of Bloomington. So we really appreciate that overview, Brandy. Thank you so much. Brandy, how many applications do you review a year? Do you represent a specific region? And how do you manage such an incredible number of applications <laughs> from throughout the country and beyond? Absolutely. So um, I think that our, our office does a really great job of um, how we handle our application volume, because as a whole, we receive about 50,000 freshman applications each year. Wow. So it is a large number of applications to get through. I really like the fact that we review by territory. So mine is pretty large. It does consist of Connecticut, Maine, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Rhode Island, and Vermont. So <laughs> quite a few of the, the, I'm truly the Northeast regional representative here. Um, and this year, currently, that was a little more than 5,400 applications for just wow. my territory alone. New York and New Jersey are two of the larger states as far as applications and students are concerned. So with just New York and New Jersey, that's about 4,600 applications uh, that um, I have the potential to see coming across my desk. So while I'm responsible for being knowledgeable of all the schools in my area, we do have a great team on campus that I rely on. They help to organize my applications. And of course, if need be, we do have a committee that meets weekly where I can advocate for students. You might be saying that's still a lot of high schools to keep track of. And it is. It really <laughs> is a lot of high schools to keep track of. But thankfully, most, if not all applications do come with that school profile and or counselor report. This is a very helpful piece of information as we try to determine what is available to students at their particular high school and where they fall within their cohort. Also, I know that if need be, I can always reach out to high school counselors for more information on their school or for more insight on a particular student. We as admissions counselors have great relationships with our colleagues on the high school side. So it is a lot to manage, but I do have the, the support needed to get through those applications. Well, I really appreciate that overview, Brandy. Thank you so much. So can you tell me what is the average profile of the current freshman class in terms of their GPA and any other information that you gather? Absolutely. So currently our middle 50% ranges for this year are a 3.62 to 4.0 GPA on a 4.0 scale. We are test optional. However, our middle 50% ranges for SAT were a 1200 to 1400 on the, the SAT and that 27 to 32 on the ACT. I think it's important to mention that we also super score both SAT and ACT. So should a student choose to apply with test scores, we will super score those for them. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that. And what advice would you give a student if they fall lower than the current freshman class's average? 
should they apply and what can they do to enhance their application? Absolutely. That is a great question. And I always like to start off by saying that is truly a middle 50%, which means 25% of our students are above that and 25% of our students are below that. So it is not a minimum. We do review students holistically. What does that mean? Well, while we do make our decisions based primarily on a student's academic achievements, we're also gonna take other factors into consideration, such as that those personal statements, outside school circumstances and recommendation letters. If a student ever questions if they should apply, I strongly encourage that they reach out to me directly with those concerns. In most cases, I still encourage students to apply and I encourage them to do so by our early action deadline, which I know we're gonna talk about in a minute. But our early action deadline, it's non-binding, but what that does is it gives the student priority consideration for admission, and it means that they're also going to be reviewed for scholarship consideration. And ultimately, it gives me more time to work with that student. Maybe I can go to the committee more than once with that student's application. Maybe I can ask that student to take an additional course or ask that student to um, send in additional grades. So applying early gives me more of that opportunity to work and advocate for that student. So in most cases, I still encourage a student to apply. Um, also, applying early gives us that flexibility to maybe offer some alternative routes to students. We don't have a formal program for spring entry, but we have made exceptions in the past and we have offered students a spring entry instead of a fall entry. Sometimes we have a wait list. This year we had a wait list. So maybe we give that student an opportunity to be on our wait list. There's just more opportunity and flexibility if a student reaches out to me early. Well, I appreciate you explaining those opportunities and of course the flexibility. Thank you so much, Brandy. We appreciate it. So tell me, what are the different ways a student can apply to Indiana University? And are there any benefits to the different ways of applying? Absolutely. And I know that as students are going through this process, as parents are going through this process, there's a lot of terminology out there. And some of it is very confusing because some of it's very similar. Um, but Indiana University is what we would consider an early action school. What that means is that students who complete an application by our early action non-binding deadline of November 1, that does give them that priority consideration for admission. That means that they are being reviewed for any of our direct entry programs, and they will also be reviewed for scholarship money. For us, this is a very important date because that November 1 date is really tied to scholarship consideration. If a student applies after November 1, scholarship opportunities are extremely limited. So I really encourage that November 1 date for students. Um, if they do complete that application by November 1, they're also guaranteed a response no later than January 15th. So we try to have a pretty early turnaround time for students. And I think that that's great because it's a huge stress relief in your senior year to know that you've already gotten that one acceptance from a school. So applying early is always beneficial for Indiana. If students miss that November 1 date, we do have a regular decision date of February 1. February 1 applicants, they will have a response no later than March 15th. And after February 1, it truly is a case-by-case -case space available basis. Now, that varies from year to year as far as the number of applications we get, 
But this year, that date has become very important because we did see that huge uptick in the number of applications that we got. So we are paying attention very closely to numbers. We did go to a wait list um, and we're just waiting for some final intent to enroll to come in to see what we can do with those waitlisted students. Well, we appreciate that. And I know that Indiana University is, in fact, test optional. And a lot of people are skeptical in terms of whether or not they should or shouldn't submit their tests. So, Brandy, can you tell me what was the percentage of students that applied and, in fact, did not submit test scores? Absolutely. And so, fortunately, Indiana University was an institution that decided to go test optional prior to the pandemic. So, we had our process well underway. We didn't have to uh, struggle to get that process up and going. That was the great thing about that. I think because of the pandemic, though, we did see a, a little bit of a larger number of students applying without test scores. It was a little over 50% for last year that applied without test scores. I think this year that number decreased slightly. I don't have the exact numbers off the top of my head, but it was a little bit um, less than 50%, I believe. So we are truly test optional. We really want students to tell their best academic story. And if that includes test scores, great. If that doesn't include test scores, that's also great. I do a lot of uh, fielding questions right now about, well, should I or shouldn't I? This is my test score. What do you think about it? I think a good general rule of thumb is if you're falling within that middle 50% range, submit your test scores. If your test scores correlate nicely with your high school transcript, submit your test scores. If you're ever questioning it, reach out to me and we can have that conversation. Well, that's great advice. Thank you again, Brandy. Do you recommend declaring a major on the application and what would be some benefits or negatives in doing so? So honestly, for Indiana University, it doesn't matter. We do not initially make those admissions decisions based upon major. So when myself and my colleagues are looking at applications, we're not looking at that intended major. Now you might be saying, hold on, Indiana <laughs> University, I know students that have been directly admitted to programs. That's absolutely true. Um, however, students are only looked at for individual programs after they have been offered admission to Indiana University. So it's important to understand that at IU, about 60% of our students come to our campus not having officially declared that major, and they will not do that until the end of their freshman or sophomore year. So for us, it's not more competitive if you choose a major versus not choosing a major. It really is going with what your true interest is. If that true interest is business, great. If it's history, if it's exploring your options, all of those are great. You will all be reviewed for admission to the institution as a whole. Now, there are a few exceptions always to these <laughs> rules. Um, and of course, I would say that for students that are interested in music, that's one of those specialized career choices. You probably know that, that right now that that's your passion. You definitely want to apply to the, directly to the music program. If you're interested in our Bachelors of Fine Arts, our BFA programs, you want to apply to those too because they typically require that additional supplemental information as well as potentially an interview or an audition. Understood, Brandy. And do you use the student's high school GPA as indicated on their transcript, or do you recalculate using your own metrics? 
So we will use the student's highest cumulative GPA on their high school transcript as one factor in our review process. If the GPA is not on a 4.0 scale, we will convert it. So for example, I know many schools, particularly in the East Coast, use a 100 point scale, some use a six point scale, but we will convert that to a 4.0 scale. Thank you for that explanation. And what are some examples of college essays that really stuck with you? In other words, when you read them, you thought, this kid has to attend Indiana University. So this question I get a lot. Um, and it's, I, it's been a few years now Indiana has had the, the essay portion. But when I first started out, we didn't even require an essay for students. So I know that there's been a lot of stress built up around the college essay. I was at a college fair last week and more than half of the juniors I spoke to were already stressed out about the essay. <laughs> um, it, it's kind of sad. It makes me, my heart hurt a little bit that they're so stressed out at this point um, in their high school careers. But here's what I will say. First and foremost, be yourself, be genuine. Don't try to guess what we as reviewers want to hear. No two reviewers will look at an essay the same way. Um, we want to see you as a person, something that is perhaps not found on your transcript. You don't have to be the next novelist or the great comedian to get our attention. You just need to write about you and your interests, and most importantly, proofread. I can't say it enough. <laughs> you should proofread it. You should have someone else proofread it. We understand that for most of the essays will not be the make or break point for an application. Okay. So it's not, I kind of took this in a different term than the question. It's not about that great essay that I've read that really stands out to me. It's the ones where I can really tell that the student put a little bit of time and effort into it that stand out to me. It's the ones where the students I can tell are, are being themselves. They truly are passionate about something or they are trying to describe to me a situation that happened in high school and how they overcame that situation. It's the one where the grandson is sitting on a park bench with his grandfather and having that conversation and just connecting with his grandfather and making that connection. It's those type of stories that really relate to me. Again, it's nothing a student should ever stress out about as long as they're being genuine in their essay. Well, that's great advice. And the student's activity sheet, Brandy, of course, is another piece of their application. What are the kinds of things you are looking for beyond the work they did in the classroom? Absolutely. And that is truly what the activity sheet is for. We want to see something besides that sitting in a high school class you know, for several hours a day. And honestly, there isn't anything, again, kind of like the essay that we're really looking for. We just want to be see that a student has done something outside academically. When we review applications for our institutions, we do want to make sure students are fitting our institutions academically, but we also want to make sure that they're fitting our institutions socially and that they're going to be active uh, members of our communities. And one of the ways to do that is by looking at that activity sheet. We're not looking for a specific number. Um, and we, again, it's all about balance. For some students, that is being very active. They're involved in athletics. They're involved in um, the arts. They're involved in all kinds of clubs and organizations. That's great for that particular student. But this is a very individual section. That is not for everybody. Um, we have some students where they have after school jobs. 
We have some students that need to go home and take care of siblings or grandparents. That is showing that students are responsible, that they have other interests outside of the classroom and that they can balance the academics along with the social. Well, that's terrific. And if a student is serious about attending Indiana University, what can they do to make their intentions known to you, the admissions counselor? How often should they reach out by email? When is it too much? What's the right balance, Brandy? That's a great question as well. And I do believe this is another one of those areas where students can maybe relax a little bit. There's so much stress centered around this application process. And I think some of it students put on themselves, um, especially with institutions like Indiana, where we don't track demonstrated interest. There's no pressure to reach out to us and make sure that you have a certain number of contact points. Anytime a student needs to supply additional context for something or they genuinely have a question, that is a great time to reach out. Most of our information can be found on our websites. I do know that sometimes it is a challenge to navigate college websites. So I do a lot of helping students navigate and I'm certainly happy to do that. I would say try to stay away from generic questions that are easily accessible or stating something like, how's your psychology program? Well, any school that has a psychology program is going to tell you it's wonderful. They're not going to say <laughs> it's the worst psychology program in the country. So be genuine in your, um, your questions. Think about your questions for us. You don't need to reach out just to reach out, but we do like to have that correspondence. It's nice to have an email from a student and then go and see their application and kind of piece the, the puzzle together. Um, again, we don't track that demonstrated interest, so just be thoughtful in your correspondences. Well, we appreciate that insight. Brandy, what kind of scholarship opportunities do you offer for academic achievement, and does a student have to apply separately for any of your offerings? Great question as well, and I'm just going to go back and hit that November 1 date again. So I repeat November 1 a lot, but you would be amazed at how many <laughs> students still tell me they didn't know anything about November 1. So. November 1 is key here. For any student that is interested in scholarship consideration, they must have that complete application by November 1. We offer several academic scholarships recognizing students' academic achievements. To be considered for IU academic scholarships, students must complete their application for admission, including official transcripts, IU-specific essay, and self-reported or official test scores if they are choosing to apply with test scores by November 1. So our IU academic scholarships are awarded based on information given to the Office of Admission in that application, and a separate application is not required. Now, in addition to the academic scholarships that we offer, students may also be eligible for selective scholarship consideration. Eligible students will receive a link to a personalized selective scholarship application in their admissions email. The Selective Scholarship application is used as an application for many schools and departmental scholarships and programs. So it's one application for potentially several different scholarships. And you can, students can see a full list of those scholarships at scholarships.indiana.edu. But initially, it's not a separate application. Any student that completes by November 1, we are automatically reviewing them for those scholarship consideration. 
Well, thank you so much for that. And by the way, Brandy, I will include a link to the Office of Undergraduate Admissions in the show notes. If there's anything else you wish that I would uh, include, please just send it to me and I will obviously make it available to the students and their parents. So thank you so much for that. Brandy, how do you evaluate varying state assessments? For example, New York State has regents exams for all of their students. Your school is obviously outside of New York State. So how much weight do you put on these types of assessments? So these exams, because they're not the same across all states, they're not typically used in our review process. I will say that we can use them for context, though. Um, and what I mean by that is sometimes if I need a little extra push for a student in committee, I might go back to their regents exams and take a look at those, but know that they would never negatively impact a student's decision. Understood. Thank you so much for that. Mm -hmm. And lastly, Brandy, what other advice would you offer prospective students and their parents who are starting the college admissions process now? Absolutely. And I think this could be a book in and of itself, right? Um, <laughs> there's so much advice out there that we as admissions counselors can give you. But I really feel that there are three pieces of advice to take away at this point in the process. One, deadlines, deadlines, deadlines. <laughs> this one is key. Organize your list based on deadlines and find out what is needed to meet these deadlines. Is it just the application or do supplemental materials need to be received as well? What is the deadline for? Is it just admissions or is it related to scholarship funding and special programs as well? So deadlines, 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 number one. Number two, um, once you start filling out your application, please be sure that the student is the one filling out the application and that you are using an email address that you will check. So this one has um, come up a lot recently. It might be helpful to just create a new email address, um, one that you're just gonna use for the college application process. Sometimes students will use their school email address and those schools have put filters on their email addresses and they're not gonna be able to get our emails because they're going to be thought that they're spam. So maybe create an email address. I can't tell you how many times I get an email from a confused or upset student that states that they didn't receive anything from us. They have no idea where their application is in the process. And I go and I look them up and it's because they haven't opened a single one of our emails. They've used an email address that they're not checking. So maybe create that email and make sure that it is one you're going to check often because that is how colleges were going to correspond with you. Now, lastly, take a moment for yourself. Take a moment to take all of this in. This is your last year of high school. So don't forget to have a senior year. Every student that wants to attend a school is going to find the right school for them. So take some time to enjoy what is in front of you as well. Enjoy that last year of high school. Well, Brandy, thank you so much. Those are tremendous pieces of advice. And I know that you really helped a lot of students and their parents today. So I am so grateful for your time, all of your efforts. We really appreciate it. And I hope to have you back on the show again soon. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you reaching out. It was my pleasure. Thank you.
Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap. What's up, podcast friends? I'm happy to announce that we've teamed up with some fantastic affiliate partners to further enhance your overall college journey. So do you or someone you know need stylish dorm decor, trendy college apparel, or top-notch test prep? Whether it's creating a cozy home away from home, flaunting the latest in college apparel, or securing top-notch test prep help, we've got you covered. Check out our affiliate links in the show notes within each of these categories, which we believe will help you, our listeners. Please note that if you make a purchase through any of our affiliate links, the podcast does get a small commission. But rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel would benefit you, our listeners. So check out the links in the show notes and share with anyone you think may benefit. Thank you all and best wishes.